Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Isaiah 40, beginning to read at verse 6. It can be found on page 694 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the prophet Isaiah foresaw a future day in which God will bring salvation for his people. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd, He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, from verse 1. It can be found on page 37 in the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. In this reading, Mark introduces us to the good news of Jesus Christ, of who he is and his mission. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please do be seated and shall we pray together. So Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning and comforter to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's gospel reading speaks of a beginning, yet for most, if not all of us, we're thinking of an ending. It heralds good news when for many of us, the mood is wave upon wave of sadness. It boldly proclaims the arrival of a king, while we mourn deeply with an ache in our hearts the death of a queen. At the heart of Christianity is an ending and a beginning, the cross and resurrection, death and life. As time stops in one moment and is recalibrated in the next in the light of eternity. The queen has met the king and in her death, she is now more alive than ever. Yet amidst the paradoxes of the gospel reading and the death of the queen, there are three signs which unite them both. The first sign is that of history. In the past few days, we've seen many proclamations of seismic historical order. And equally, Mark begins his gospel reading with a seismic proclamation in history, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. To signify its magnitude, Mark cements this moment in history in three ways. He firstly heralds Jesus as the one whom the prophets foretold. And through an announcement of a messenger who goes before him in life and in death, John the Baptist. Next follows the heavenly proclamation. The announcement from the voice of the heavens as the wild and uncontrollable Holy Spirit of God descends upon Jesus to reveal his identity. You are my son. The beloved, with you I'm well pleased. Before Mark concludes with the very words of Jesus himself, the time is fulfilled. 
Emphasizing the importance, as I've told you before, there are two Greek words for time, chronos, the time of the day, and kairos, a significant moment, a defining moment, and that's the word he uses here. This significant time is here. On Thursday, the BBC wrote of the Queen's death as the moment in time when history stops. All of a sudden, what was important before kind of seems irrelevant now. We saw the Queen as timeless, an ever-constant and consistency in our lives. She was the keystone in the nation's architecture, this solid and immovable space that through her, the nation defined itself. And now she's no longer there. We thought she would go on forever. But nobody does. Very soon these words began to be used of her. Never again will we see her like. In a thousand years of the monarchy, she reigned longest, was probably the most popular and certainly the most respected. She was the face of Britain to the outside world. To them, she was the queen. To us, even though most maybe have never met her, we felt we knew her. She was our beloved queen. She too heard from a relatively young age in a world then in crisis like in now, you are my child, the beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. One short sentence which encapsulates such deep meaning that gets to the very heart of what is the deepest question that society asks today, namely our identity. Who am I? Words we all need to hear, for we all need to know we belong. And God says to us, you are my child. For we all need to be loved, and God says you are my beloved. For we all need affirmation. And God says, with you, I'm well pleased. As the Queen knew, we understand who we are when we understand whose we are. That our history is wrapped up with his story. History will record how we cannot understand the Queen without understanding her devotion to Jesus Christ. Hers was a life well lived. She showed us how to live the way of Jesus in the world. And now the Queen has met the King. And in her death, she is now more alive than ever. The second sign which unites both this beginning of the gospel reading and the queen's death is that of humility. Mark records how the messenger John the Baptist would come to prepare the way for the arrival of the Lord. Many at that time mistakenly saw him as the Messiah. Yet John's words remind us how one more powerful than he will come. That he isn't even worthy in the context of the Messiah, of untying the thong of his sandal. That most basic menial task according to the Jewish Talmud that any servant would have to do. And he wasn't even worthy of doing that. He was saying in effect, it's not about me. The king is coming. Words that were echoed by Her Majesty 
Elizabeth the Great, who all through her reign signed her name, your servant. In an age when character no longer seems to be king, she was a queen who exuded why character does matter. Amongst, amongst all her many virtues, to me her greatest was her humility. Amidst the pomp and ceremony of being queen, she gave her heart and devotion in servanthood which defined her life. Today, it's widely recognized that the greatest leaders of them all possess two qualities in abundance, which kind of separates them out from all even good, very good leaders. The first is humility. They don't think less of themselves, they just think of themselves less. But as the ancient historians will tell us, nobody saw humility as a virtue to behold. That was until the greatest of them all, Jesus Christ, died on a humble cross. It changed and redefined everything. Today's world is one of self-promotion, isn't it? It's all about me. Whereas this gospel reminds us, as the queen reminds us, the Christian life is all about self-denial. It's not about me. In life and in death, the queen embodied the words of Jesus of how the greatest must be the least, of how she came to serve and not to be served, and how in giving up your life, you find it. As Jesus found out when tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, that humility would be tested to the extreme, and yet he overcame the devil's temptations. So too the queen knew, didn't she, how life's tests and temptations could easily humble her. Yet like her king, her resilience, that other great quality that great leaders possess in abundance, would overcome such tests. As Jesus' words remind us in this reading, the first sign of humility is to come to him to repent, to believe, to change our mindset to his and trusting God, knowing and acting accordingly that he is just right about everything. Hers was a life well lived. Through her words and deeds, the queen showed us repeatedly how to live the way of Jesus in the world, to be people of humility. Well, now the queen has met the king, and in her death, she is more alive than ever. The first sign which unites these two events is that of history. The second is that of humility. And the third is that of hope. Mark's gospel message is one of good news, of hope in Jesus Christ. He declares how this new day has arrived, of how God's revolution is here, as the Lord's Prayer reminds us, as a foretaste on earth of heaven. The good news of the kingdom of God that's both eternal and eschatological, that's both fulfilled and awaited, present and imminent, now and forever. It has come and it is to come. You know, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God more than anything else on this world. We could say it was his favorite subject. 
It was the summary of his preaching, the central theme of his teaching. He told stories to explain it. He performed healings to demonstrate it. He brought it into existence and embodied it by his very life. In its most simplest terms, the kingdom of God is the place where God lives with his people as their king, of which the church is the visible expression, or in the words of Tom Wright, a small working model. It was this message of hope, of the good news of Jesus Christ, of the bringing in of his kingdom, which the queen chose to embody. She would speak of Jesus so frequently, wouldn't she, in her Christmas broadcasts, as I've mentioned on other occasions. She would show in her actions the centrality of Jesus' teaching. She demonstrated in her faith, going to church weekly, praying for the Holy Spirit's filling and for the needs that she had and the needs of the world and reading her Bible daily. Quite simply, we will never understand the Queen and who she was without understanding her devotion to Jesus Christ. Hers was a life well lived. She showed us how to live the way of Jesus in the world. And know this, as she got older, she got bolder. Well, now the queen has met the king, and in her death, she's now more alive than ever. In one final, perhaps hugely symbolic and significant act on the announcement of the queen's death, the voice of the heavens, the Lord God Almighty spoke. The Psalm 19 reminds us no words were needed. The sign itself spoke volumes. As a rainbow appeared over Windsor Castle and a double rainbow over Buckingham Palace. The rainbow is the original symbol of hope. The first sign in the Bible of God's faithfulness to his people. A message from the heavens above to us all down on earth, we could say, from God Almighty to save the Queen to all of us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have fought the good fight. You have finished the race. You have kept the faith. And now a crown, a different crown awaits. The crown of righteousness. And as a reminder to us all when we see rainbows in the sky once more, to say thank you to God for her. History will record Elizabeth the Great, who signed her name, your servant. She taught us how to be humble and gave her heart and devotion in servanthood. She lived out Jesus, her king's words, that the greatest must be the least and how in fine losing your life you find it. She showed us how to be resilient and wise when facing adversity. She modeled how to be faithful to and hopeful in your king. Hers was a life well lived. She showed us how to live the way of Jesus in the world. As we thank God for her, we say to her, thank you for everything. The queen has met the king and in her death, she is now more alive than ever. May she rest in peace and rise in glory. In the name of the Father who created us, 
the Son who redeems us and the Spirit who gives us life. And may we carry on the light-giving message of Jesus Christ into our night, knowing God will do everything he's promised. His love for us is eternal and he will complete the work in us. He has begun. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.